Gina Della from Pella. Choose five years no interest and five months no first payment or 10-year 2.99 APR financing. Ends August 31st. Set your free consultation today at PellaWI.com slash radio or 855-PELLA-WI. Live from the WTMJ Annex Wealth Management Studios at State Fair Park, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. As the big voice guy says, we are broadcasting live from our broadcast facility at the wisconsin state fair 2021 after a year's absence it is back as i said a couple minutes ago if you are wondering whether there is an appetite for things like the state fair no pun intended i'm here to tell you out here today there is definitely an appetite eric bilstadt was making reference to some of the traffic issues if if i had tried to park in the state fair parking lot i would still be in the lines waiting to get in at least that's how it seemed like about an hour and 15 minutes ago so i kind of bailed on that and came up with plan b but lots and lots Lots of people are out here. The gates opened up at 11, which I think was undoubtedly some of the things was responsible for some of the lines and all. But I'm here to tell you it is a gorgeous day. The State Fair is rolling. People are out and about having a lot of fun. And um, I think it's going to be a great 11-day run of the fair. And we will be broadcasting every day from the State Fair. It's always a lot of fun. All right. I, I want to start off with a question. And, and it is, I want to tell you a story. And then I want to ask you a question. At the end of the day, the question is going to be, are are we bluffing? Are they bluffing? During the news, you, you heard a report that Don Smiley, the CEO of Summerfest, was talking to the Summerfest board about how much trouble they are having finding employees to, to work. And that is, is not unique a, at all. I'm out here at the Wisconsin State Fair, and, I mean, I've talked off the record and on the record with Kathleen O'Leary, who does a great job running the fair, and, and she, just, she was telling me how difficult it's been to find seasonal I- employees. And that's one of the reasons why the fair opens a little bit later and closes a little bit earlier, because they, they just, they, they, they've had a huge trouble this year for whatever reasons finding people to work and that is not an uncommon thing if you talk to employers all over all over the area all over the state all over the country they'll tell you that they can't find people to do jobs and i understand some people will say well it's just based on salaries and they need to pay more it's a lot more complicated than that because a lot of the jobs that are open going begging for use they're 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 skilled jobs they're their job or their jobs that pay well it's just for whatever reason maybe covid caused a lot of people to retire maybe people don't feel comfortable coming out with covid whatever it is the, the economy has gone through all sorts of different changes all right so where does that lead us a number of companies including a lot of the major hospital facilities have announced that unless if that you if you're an employee you have until most cases november to get yourself vaccinated and if you haven't been vaccinated by November 1st, you're going to be terminated. And that's, you know, you can go through the different UW Health is like that. Advocate Aurora Health is like that. Okay, I'm sorry. We've got to throw it back to the studio. Eric Bilstadt with an Amber Alert. Thank you, Jeff. Yes, from the WTMJ Breaking News Center, we do have an Amber Alert that has been initiated for a two-month-old boy. They are searching for the suspect named Haley Palat. She is 28 years old. She's white. She's five foot one. She is expected to be in a silver Camry. 
from 2002. I'm going to give you the license plate, then we're going to hear from the EAS. The license plate is AHY5345, a silver Toyota Camry from 02, AHY5345. Now let's hear from the emergency alert system. Amber Alert that has just been initiated for a woman named Haley Palat. She is 28 years old. This is out of Wisconsin Rapids. They believe she has a two-month boy with her. It's a statewide Amber Alert. They're searching for a silver Toyota Camry from 2002. The license plate is AHY5345. And you heard her just say you could call Wisconsin Rapids Police. If you happen to see that car, just call 911. And then they can get that information across as well. Again, a silver Toyota AHY5345 is the license plate. We'll have more details throughout the day and online at WTMJ.com. Citing Unlimited WTMJ News Time 1214. Thank you, Eric. This is Jeff Wagner. We will continue to keep you updated. In any event, we, we were talking a little bit about employers can't find people to work. All right. So a number of major health providers have said that, all right, here's the requirement. By November 1st, employees have to be vaccinated or they are going to be terminated. This raises an interesting sort of question. I, I, I know, for example, I have a couple friends who are nurses who have made a decision not to get vaccinated. I have another dear friend who works in the healthcare industry who at this point in time has made the decision not to get vaccinated. Now, these people aren't aren't crazy sort of anti-vax people who believe the vaccine has computer chips in it and things like that. It's people who, just for a variety of reasons, including some health concerns, um, aren't aren't comfortable getting vaccinated at this point in time. And it's one of those deals where I know that they've actually consulted with physicians and they've said these are the concerns and and the, the physicians have said, well, I think you're going to be okay. <laughs> I, I don't think that's going to be an issue, which raises these questions. It's kind of like the commercial for the insurance companies where so, when they're trying to say, do you have a down payment on your house? And the guy says, well, I'm, I'm pretty sure we have it. Well, what does pretty sure mean? Well, in any event, I, I have a couple friends who are uncomfortable at this point in time getting the vaccine, who work in the healthcare field, and there, that's it's one of the reasons why. When I always say I'm pro-vaccine because I was vaccinated, but I, I'm, I'm anti-vaccine mandates. I, I think of these people because they they have some legitimate concerns based on their individual circumstance, and they don't feel comfortable doing it now. Well, in all these different cases, they they have been told that if you are not vaccinated by November first, you're you're going to be fired. And you know, I, I think. I, I'm not playing. I don't play an employment lawyer on the radio, but I, I mean, I think that there's certainly precedent saying that employers, particularly in the healthcare field, might be on on solid legal ground doing that. So, there, my friends are are concerned about that and are really, you know, going through sleepless nights trying to wrestle with, gee, do I have to choose between getting vaccinated when I have legitimate concerns, or I mean, or, or losing my job, which has gotten me thinking over the last couple of days. We. We can't find people to do jobs. We can't find people to work right now. For example, one of my friends that I'm thinking of who is in this situation, this person, uh, when, when she considered leaving her job a year or two ago, the employer said, hey, we don't have anybody else who can do your job. And actually, they went out of their way to try to accommodate them because there's nobody else at least readily available that they can do her job. Now, I'm not, none of us are indispensable, and obviously somebody can be replaced, but at the same time, it's not an easy replacement. My friends who are nurses, there is a nursing shortage, which is, is out there. Um, I'll, I don't know how it breaks down, say, in the medical field between, okay, you know, of, 
let us say for the sake of argument that maybe there's 5 to 10% of the employees in a particular health care you know, unit that, that chooses not to get vaccinated. And I don't know if that, you know, how that breaks down between people who, you know, work in custodial things or who work in the kitchens versus the people who, you know, are, are nurses, or et cetera. But, but you know, there, there's going to be a mix that's there. So I, I've actually been, you know, pondering with people, and, and I don't know the answer to it, but the question is, do you think health care providers are really going to follow through with this? And the date deadline now is, hey, November 1st. You have to be vaccinated by November 1st, and if you're not, boom, you're going to be fired. Well, there is a question about, well, why November 1st? I mean, if if you want to force people to get vaccinated, should you not say, hey, August 15th? You know, you, you've, you've got to make a choice right now instead of kicking the can down the road essentially 90 days. And you wonder, hey, in 90 days, things may be very different. Things are different with regard to COVID now than they were 90 days ago. And and actually, I know a couple people who have not been vaccinated who are in that situation. And they're sitting there, and the conversation is, do you think they're really serious? And if they are serious about getting rid of people who are not vaccinated, how are they going to be replaced? Is it practical to replace them? 855-616-1620, that's the... Um, Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Here, here's my question. It is, do you think the, these, these employers are bluffing? Will they really go ahead come November 1st and start firing people if the people have not been vaccinated? And if so, where are they going to get their replacements? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in a moment. This is Jeff Wagner broadcasting live from the Wisconsin State Fair. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So very glad to have you with us. Let's start with Tom in Watertown. Tom, good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. Great topic. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Uh, yes, sir. Just a couple of things. How could the healthcare industry even mandate something that has not been FDA approved? And doesn't it make them liable for... Anything that happens in the fact that they're mandating their employees to have this. Lastly, I think um, I, that's the biggest thing, and I think really it's just making they're going to instill fear in their healthcare employees that they're going to lose their jobs over. Which I I do think they would probably end up firing employees that don't get it. I don't think they're going to have an issue with it though, because either lose your job or get the vaccination. What are you going to do? They're strong armed. Well, thanks for calling. And actually, that's, again, it's a couple of these people I'm talking about. And these are not crazy, unreasonable people. One of the people I have in mind, you know, is a little bit older, kind of my age, you know, has some underlying health issues, nothing which would necessarily be disqualifying, you know, but it gives her concern. And she's like, gee, I, you know, and in her case, she had COVID. She knows she's got the antibodies. And she said, look, I'm not anti-shots per se, but... I have some very, very real concerns about this to the point that, you know, I, 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 I mean, I want to keep working, but you know what? I might be in a situation where I, I make a decision to go elsewhere. And again, I, I'm wrestling with this. If it's, if it's five per, five to ten percent of the people who are working in the healthcare field, let's, let, let's say, let's say ten percent. Now maybe that's a little bit high, but if they make that decision, what are you going to do? Are you really going to fire ten percent of the healthcare workers? And how are you going to replace them? in a practical matter. Robert in Bayside. Robert, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, thank you. Uh, I'll reference, Hi. I go to a medical college. Um, 
at the at the you know receptionist blood draw i've asked directly are you vaccinated i am nope we're not going to get vaccinated don't believe in it you know not buying in and as i go up the food chain and get into treatment doctor rns people that have hold more i want to probably guess more education absolutely yes we're vaccinated i'm finding it interesting that they're coming up with this plan i don't think they're going to follow through they won't have the support staff however it's too bad i think they should you know be able to to mandate it yeah i mean and i guess i and i kind of wonder i mean you know now i understand some people are saying well the reason they're giving people three months is to get their medical or, or their religious you know ex- exemptions I, I i guess i don't i don't buy that i don't think you need 90 days to do that i i think that the 90 days it would seem to me is again they're trying to put pressure and, and you can argue whether it's appropriate or not but they're trying to try to put pressure on the employees to get the vaccine um i i don't i don't know i mean 90 days rolls around and if you still i don't know have 10 percent of the workforce that's not vaccinated how are you going to replace them and what if things have changed thanks a lot for the call robert i appreciate it what, what if the dynamics of COVID have changed what if the incidence of infection is down dramatically for example are you still going to fire all these people who've chosen not to get vaccinated. I mean, I don't know the answer to it. And I mean, it's it's sort of a dangerous game of chicken to play with an employer if you need the job. But nevertheless, there's all these things that are out there that's making me wonder in, in the real world, you know, what's going to happen in November? And can a healthcare system that can't find enough, can healthcare systems that can't find enough employees to work in the first place, can they just suddenly say, we're going to get rid of 10% of our employees or 5% or whatever? Jan in West Dallas. Jan, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. Um, I'm a nurse and I've been working in, um, I've worked in several of the healthcare systems here in the Milwaukee area. And the question comes up every year with the influenza vaccine. We, we sort of go through a similar path where you're given a, a deadline date to have your vaccine. And if you don't get it, you are thought to have voluntarily resigned your position. And I think if right. the healthcare systems have put this out as a policy, um, they're going to stick behind it. I, I, I truly believe um, that they're not, because they open themselves to liability. If they set a policy and don't follow their own policy, they set themselves up for um, potential liability, too. And um, I believe so what do you that do, they Jan, as a, as very a practical much, ma- yeah. Jan, as a, pra- as a, Jan, yeah. as a practical matter. Let, let, let's uh-huh. say it's 10%. And again, it could be more, it could be less. But just yeah. for the sake of argument, let's say it's 10%. How can yep. you get rid of 10% of your workforce and how are you going to replace them? They don't, you know what, the replacement part is, is not really their concern, I don't think. It's people hmm. work short. And, and you've got, you've got hmm. staff who have been dealing with this condition for over a year now and are tired burnt out have already been working more than human beings should work at a time. Mm-hmm. And it's they, they've said that this is what um, they feel is the best care of the yeah. patients. And if you don't do it, they're an at-will employee and you've made that decision. Oh. I, I, I think they'll just keep working more short and burn out their staff more. But um, once, once this precedent has been set, once this policy is set, I have no doubt they will follow through with firing people who don't comply.
Thanks for the call, Jan. I appreciate it. And I, I don't know, again, I don't know the answer to it. Um, you, you people have until November 1st to end up making that decision. I just think it's going to be really interesting to see when November 1st rolls around if you still have, again, 5 to 10%, which is a huge chunk of the workforce, and, and those people aren't vaccinated. Are you really going to fire them? And what are you going to do as far as replacements go? Time will tell. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. There's so many theories out there about this November 1st date for people having to be fully vaccinated. I guess that's the way it is. So, you know, actually, you'd have to make your decision if you were going to get one of the vaccines. It's more than just a one shot thing. You'd have to make your decision earlier than that. And I, I guess I think it's going to be interesting to see if the hospital systems do follow through. One of our texters is saying, look, this is Jeff, you've got to understand this is about money. It's not about liability or risk of being sued. It's about the fact that in order to get the highest level of Medicare reimbursement, institutions are required to have a certain percentage of employees vaccinated. If these institutions don't hit the benchmark, the reimbursements go down. Also, many people who have applied for religious exemptions are being challenged on the information they provide. Some people have even been required to provide proof of church attendance. Quite frankly, I see this as a form of corporate bullying, but again, I think you follow the money. Look, I, I take no position on any of this, and this comes from a position of somebody who, who is is vaccinated. I'm just wondering if people do, in fact, dig in their heels and say, "Look, we're we're willing to do something else. We're willing to go work somewhere else." You know, will healthcare systems really follow through on November first, and and how are they going to replace people? And one of our callers, you know, suggested that this means that everybody that's working will have to work harder and longer hours, and maybe that's the case. I guess we will see. All right. You've probably heard a lot about this infrastructure bill, which is moving its way through through Congress. Remember, this was the thing that was touted as uh, we, we can get Republicans, we can get Democrats together, we can come up with a $1 trillion infrastructure bill that will take care of, of what we would truly consider to be infrastructure, you know, roads and bridges and things like that. And that's what's moving through now. There's another push for another, like, $3 trillion bill, which is really not infrastructure in the generally accepted sense. It's kind of like Franklin Roosevelt's New Deal or Lyndon Johnson's Great Society, where we we say, okay, we're going to throw all sorts of of money at people, and we're going to say that it's human infrastructure. Well, okay, right. You can call it what you want. But in the bill that's moving through Congress now, the, the $1 trillion infrastructure bill, there's a lot of interesting details. And as a matter of fact, one of my friends who follows in just follows things related to the automobile industry pointed this provision out to me. And I know you might find it difficult for me to, to for when I tell you this, but but it, it it's true. Now nowadays, if you get nailed for drunk driving, for example, Oftentimes, as a condition of getting your driver's license back or being able to drive, you know, for a period of time, the court will order you to have one of those ignition interlock systems where the way the technology works now is is before you can start your car, you have to blow into this tube. And if it shows that you have been drinking, the car will not start. Now, I actually know somebody who went through this and they put the interlock thing on there, and it was 
it was an ongoing problem, not because the person I know w- was drinking, but because the, the thing just, it, it never worked right. It, it just didn't. But that was the requirement. And, you know, no sympathy. You get nailed for drunk driving. This is, you know, one of the conditions. Driving is a privilege. It, it's not a right. All right. So that's the background. But right now, we only do that as, for example, a, a, a condition of, of getting your license back or, or a, a penalty after you've been caught for drunk driving. Well, in this new bill that is moving its way through Congress, new cars will be required to have technology to detect drunk drivers. That's one of the provisions that's included in this 2,700-page um, bill. The uh, government will be drafting regulations and imposing rules that will say that all new cars that are going to be produced, and there's no immediate time limit now. It could be three years down the road. It could be five years down the road. It could be ten years down the road. But the rule would say that in order for you to start your car, you would have to essentially pass a test showing that you were not impaired. And they're, they're looking at different um, ways to do it. The thing they do right now is, is you blow into a tube. Um, there's other systems that they're trying to study, including one that monitors a driver's eyes for signs of distractive or impaired driving. But in any event, it would be some technological element that would say before you could start your car, you would have to prove that you were not impaired. 855-616-1620. That is the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, there's a lot of things that you know we, we put into automobiles as far as like safety sort of things that, that are designed to protect the driver and also designed to protect people on the road. There is no question that drunk driving is a huge hazard. People lose their lives to drunk drivers on an almost daily basis in this country. So... Discouraging drunk driving, I think, is certainly something that's, that's an admirable goal. But what about the idea of the government saying, even if you don't drink at all, as a condition of having to start your car, you are going to have to prove that you are not impaired? 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is that going too far for the government to do? We discuss in a moment. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This is a provision that is buried in this 2,700-page rule, which would essentially, not today, not tomorrow, but somewhere in the not-too-distant future, require you to pass a sobriety test before you could start your car every time you start your car. Good idea, bad idea. We discuss. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. I swear I am not making this up. Buried in the 2,700-page infrastructure bill that looks likely to be approved by Congress is a provision which would give the the federal government, the National Highway Safety Transport Administration, the, the responsibility of coming up with standards which in the next couple years would require the equivalent of an ignition interlock on every automobile sold in America, new cars. So before you would be able to start your car, you would have to, again, the technology right now has you like blow into something to show that you're not impaired, but this would require you, every time you start your car, to have to prove that you are not impaired. So imagine... I don't know, you're, you're running errands, okay? It, it's 10 o'clock in, on a Saturday morning, and you're into the grocery store. So you get in the grocery store, you run in, you get this, you come out. Nope, you, you've got to 
blow into the thing or whatever other technology they develop. Then you drive across to the hardware store. You park your car. You come out. You start it again. You've got to blow into the thing or whatever technology you develop. If you're making seven or eight stops in the course of an hour or an hour and 15 minutes, you're going to have to demonstrate every time before you start your car that you are not impaired. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, I'm as, I'm as death on drunk driving as, as the next person more than most, as a matter of fact. But I think this is a gross government overreach to essentially assume that you are impaired and require you to go through this every time you start a vehicle. Jim in Milwaukee. Jim, you're on WTMJ. Is that me? It's you. If you're Jim in oh. Milwaukee, it's you. Hi, Jim. Oh, oh. Hi, Jim. No, it's Timothy. It's Timothy. That's why I didn't know. Timothy in Milwaukee. Uh, um, okay, hi, Timothy. Yeah. Um, I agree with you kind of 100%, and I guess my biggest gripe is that, as usual, they're punishing the innocent instead of going after the guilty people. <clears throat> you know, they got to come up with a way to stop the drunk driving without... Um, in the, without um, going after the innocent people. Well, right, it's assuming that... Right, thanks for the call, Timothy. I appreciate it. No, the, the assumption here, and you're exactly right, the assumption is that you are drunk, and you will have to prove otherwise before you can start the car i i would look i if you want to talk about toughening the penalties for for drunk driving okay i'm i'm all about that if we want to put more money into law enforcement with roadside checkpoints and things like that i'm all in favor of it but think about how this works in the real world you know again you're you're running errands on a Saturday morning, and you've got eight places to stop. Every time you get into that car in the matter of minutes, you're going to have to do whatever it is. You're going to have to blow in the tube, or you're going to have to have the eye scan, or, or whatever technology they develop to demonstrate that you are not drunk. Well, the reality is the overwhelming percentage of people who drive on the streets are not intoxicated. So, you know, what, what you're going to have if you say, okay, maybe one out of every 10,000 drivers is intoxicated, but we're going to make the other 9,999 jump through all these hoops. And again, I, I, I know... I know somebody who got caught up in this, got, got nailed for drunk driving a few years ago. No sympathy at all. This was one of the requirements that, that he had to drive. And I can't tell you how many times that car was back in the shop because this thing malfunctioned. I'm just trying to imagine the practical realities of this, you know, because how do you guarantee that that technology isn't going to inadvertently pick something up? Wouldn't we be better instead of, again, punishing or putting these added requirements on the overwhelming percentage of people who are able to drive safely um, by, by concentrating on the people who are, in fact, the problem and, and taking their licenses away or doing things like that. Plus, as a practical matter, the, the drunk drivers, they're not going to buy the new cars then. If this is going to be an issue, you know, they're going to, if this goes into effect for vehicles made in 2028, for example, all, all the people that are driving drunk are going to buy 2027 models. 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. It's one of these situations where I think that the general, I, I get it, the idea is we want to keep drunk drivers off the road, but really. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Dick in Sheboygan. Dick, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thanks for taking my call. So, sure. uh, what I was wondering is about all these uh, mail Mail carriers, especially the rural mail carriers, are going to have to do this blowing into something 
every what twenty seconds while they're on their route. Well, I mean, I, I think. Well, I think it's only every time you stop the car, and I'm I, and I, I'm not sure if this applies to like commercial vehicles like that or not, but it definitely applies to passenger cars. But yeah, thanks for calling. This, this is, I mean, this is the the scenario that's out there. And I'm getting a number of texts from people. Somebody saying, "Well, I understand the theory behind this, but I'm a Grubhub driver. I'm, I'm stopping all the time and starting." Exactly. I've got another uh, texter who says, "Hey, I'm a salesperson. I'm an on the road salesperson. I am probably." In and out of my car forty times in in, a, in any given day. C- can you imagine? And again, I, I, there, there's right now the technology is you have to blow in a tube. I mean that that's the technology. Can you imagine that the, the inconvenience that this is going to have? That every time you get in and out of your car, in order to start it, you've got to blow in this tube to see if it measures an alcohol level. And don't send me text saying that I, I'm insensitive to the problem of drunk driving. I, I'm not. But what this is doing doing is punishing making more inconvenient and in some cases i think significantly inconvenient going about your daily work for the overwhelming majority of people now i also don't know how sensitive this stuff is is it will it will it be like a breathalyzer to give you a, a blood alcohol level so if you've got it, it it can be set and i don't know i mean i'm not sure the technology exists right now but what if you've had some cough medicine what if you've had that one beer what if you're not anywhere close to the legal limit will it still let you start your car we, we don't know those answers yet because the technology doesn't exist, I, I think, to do that on a reliable basis. Maybe if you were going to do something like this, first of all, you should have a candid discussion and tell people what's going on. Secondly, you should have the technology that's there already so people can argue and discuss whether or not there's enough reliability to do it. This, however, is your government at work. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Live from the WTMJ Annex Wealth Management Studios at State Fair Park, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. As we've been telling you, this is the first day of the Wisconsin State Fair 2021. We are broadcasting live. It is a great day outside. Lots of people coming in. A little bit different this year because the fair didn't open until 11, which resulted in some, I think, pretty significant congestion getting in on the first day at at 11 o'clock. But I think a lot of people are able to get in a lot more quickly. So that's great. Great looking crowd out here watching the show. If you're coming out and about, please feel free to to stop by John McCure, Melissa Barkley, and myself. We're all going to be out here on every weekday of the fair. All right. The president knows what he is doing is illegal. He does not care. The question is, should anybody else? I am talking about the recent government order to extend the eviction moratorium. Now, let me walk through this before we open up the phone lines to discuss it. Last August or so, at the height of the pandemic, because people were losing their jobs, because there was a problem with also a concern about you you don't want people to get thrown out on the street at the height of a pandemic, the Trump administration, yes, it was the Trump administration, issued an executive rule which said that people could not be evicted based on a failure to pay rent. You could be evicted for other things, say you destroy the apartment or you're running a drug house, but otherwise private landlords essentially had to eat the costs of people not paying rent. And lots and lots of people 
stopped paying rent. Well, the moratorium was originally expi- supposed to expire in, um, I think, in December. Congress jumped in and inclu- extended the moratorium another 90 days. Then the Biden administration jumped in and had, through the CDC, they ordered landlords not to evict people. So the effect of this has been for about a year. If you are a private landlord, you have not been able to collect rent from people who have declined to pay, saying that they, they that they had suffered a financial hardship. To give you an idea of who qualifies for this, if you are an individual making $99,000 a year, you could qualify for this. If you are a couple making $198,000 a year, you could couple, you could qualify for this. Now, there's no similar provision for the, the landlords. I mean, if you've got to pay your property taxes, well, they're, they're still due. The utility company still expects you to pay for, the, like, the water that the unit uses, still expects you to pay the electricity and all those things. Um, but your tenants don't have to pay if they say, hey, we've been adversely affected by the uh, ongoing pandemic. Well, in any event... This was supposed to expire a few months ago. Number of landlords and private, you know, mortgage businesses filed lawsuits in court, and as a general rule, they have won almost all of them. Federal courts are saying this is illegal. The government can't just simply by an executive order, by Joe Biden waving his hand, tell private parties that they can't collect money for the services that they provide. The case went to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court actually said, well, look, we we have serious concerns with the constitutionality of this, but the CDC's moratorium was supposed to expire on July 31st, so since it's going to expire, we're not going to issue any ruling. We're going to let it continue to July 31st. Biden, Joe Biden, had initially said, yeah, I don't think I have the authority to extend it any further. Well, July 31st comes and goes. Congress does not act on this. And so the Biden administration has just again issued an order saying that they are going to stop landlords from continuing to collect rent for the next 60, I think, 60 to 90 days. They've put this order back into place. So saying we're going to impose a restriction on evictions if you live in an area where there has been an outbreak of COVID. And the it, it would cover about... 80% of the counties in the United States. So for all intents and purposes, this is a continuation of that eviction moratorium, which means if you are a landlord, you're, you're out of luck. It has been over a year in these cases that you have been able to collect rent from your tenants. And let's deal with the reality that is out there. All right, that when, if this eviction moratorium ever ends, and I, I think it's now kind of an if, if we understand that COVID is going to be with us for a while, the issue is going to be how in the world are you ever going to be able to collect that money that is due you? I mean, good luck. I mean, if somebody, let's say your rent is $1,200 a month and you haven't paid that for a year, well, okay, do, do the math. You know, you're, you're in the hole almost $15,000. If you couldn't pay the $1,200 a month, how are you going to suddenly pay the $15,000? Now, I understand that there's some government um, you know, money to go that's supposed to be distributed to kind of help this out, but, you know, who knows when or if that's going to happen and who knows how much of the back rent it, that is going to end up covering. 
Meanwhile, if you're a landlord, you're just out of luck. You've got nothing you can do. You have to continue to let people essentially stay in your apartments for free. 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, I've said this before in this program. You know, the decision to invest in rental property, that's that's a decision that you make. You could take that money. You could buy gold with it. You could buy stocks with it. You could buy CDs with it. You could buy bonds with it. You invest that money hoping for a return. And now you have the government coming in and saying, sorry, you can't collect money that is owed to you. This is illegal, it seems to me, in the extreme to tell somebody that you cannot charge for your services and that you can't evict people when they refuse to pay you. 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And if Joe Biden gets his way, I'm not sure this is ever going to end. Now, a number of... Um, Groups have now immediately rushed back to court because they're saying, look, we, 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 we're, we're pretty clear and the court rulings are pretty clear that this is an illegal taking. But, you know, it's not stopping the Biden administration from continuing to do it. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is it time to end the eviction moratorium once and for all? My answer is it's illegal. It should not have been allowed to continue this long. You can argue whether it should have been put in place in the first place, but for the landlords that are out there, telling you that you cannot collect is a is just it's wrong. It's sort of like I don't know if the government were to say, "Hey, you know, all right, you know, you get your paycheck every two weeks, but we've decided we're going to say that you know your employer doesn't have to pay you. You got to still keep working, but you know your employer doesn't have to pay you." Well, we wouldn't like that, would we? Eight five five six one six one six twenty. We discuss in a minute. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Back to take your calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Eight five five six one six one six twenty, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, Georgia in Milwaukee. Georgia, good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you? I am at the Wisconsin State Fair. It doesn't get any better than that for me. <laughs> good for you. <laughs> well, um, I know you guys are talking about that rental, you know, the the moratorium that's happening. I think it's highly illegal what our government is doing. Um, they have no business interfering with commerce and what's happening. I mean, these landlords are attempting to make a living just like everybody else, and they have mortgages to pay. But there's nothing in legislation or anywhere about them defaulting on their loans and not being able to pay back their mortgages. So I think it's completely illegal what they're doing in this country. And quite frankly, I was listening earlier, you were talking about the IID device. When is government going to stop interfering with the Constitution and the rights that we've been given. Um, I just think this country is going down and going down fast. If we don't stop this well, now, well, Georgia, it's I mean, going to escalate. Well, yeah. I mean, thanks to call. And this, I mean, think about what think about what the government is doing. And, and this isn't even an act of Congress. This is Joe Biden waving his, his hand and he's saying to you, as a private citizen, in this case a landlord, that you cannot collect for the services that you are offering. I mean, imagine if it, what, what happens next? What if the government says, well, okay, um, you're going to have to, those used cars you have, 
those used cars you have where you you, you can't sell them. You're, you know, you're you're all you're all set for that. You, you're not able to do that stuff. And, and keep in mind the other aggravating thing, and this doesn't get talked about in the national conversation about this. That this applies to couples that make almost two hundred thousand dollars a year. You can make two hundred thousand dollars a year, and simply by certifying that you've been adversely affected by COVID, which most people have in one shape or another, you can get out of paying your landlord rent. I mean, it, look, it'd be one thing if you wanted to target this. Okay, you have to have a you know an income of let, let's really target it to the people who don't have any money, and let's target it to people who you know make less than thirty five grand a year or on poverty. That's not what this is. Up to two hundred thousand dollars a year, and you can still avoid paying your rent. My guess is that some of the people who are making the decisions to stiff their landlords, my guess is they make a heck of a lot more money than the landlords make, and and yet they can't deal with this. Eight five five. Six one six one six twenty. Eric in Oconomowoc. Eric, you're on WTMJ. Eric. Okay, let's try John in Sheboygan. John, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi. Wonderful topic. Uh, my question is real simple. I guess the question I'd like to ask is: Well, so then, who is benefiting from all of this? And I'd like to address and answer that question. Of course, it's the banks and the banking system. This is what happens. The landlords, they are not able to pay their rent. They're struggling. Mm -hmm. What do you see happening here? It's a a bit of old-fashioned. Going back to history repeats itself. The state is looking to take our property. And, in fact, that's what's underway. I think this is directly related to the Biden administration and their alignment with, of course, the uh, tremendous uh, effort that's underway to straighten out the world financial problems. Uh, but I see this. Well, John, thanks for calling. I mean, I mean, I don't know, John, about I, I'm, John. Thanks for calling. I mean, I, I don't know about some of these these big picture things and whether there's some giant conspiracy that's out there at all. I mean, I think what you have here is is this is this populist notion. What we want to do is we want to have giveaways. We want to give people stuff. And and you're you're heartless if you say, well, don't you understand? There, there's COVID going around, and you know you 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 know you expect people to try to find another place when there's COVID going around. Well, okay, COVID's going to be with us for the foreseeable future. This is a government taking. It is illegal. Biden knows it's illegal. The courts have said it's illegal. You know, one of our texters does make a point, and it's a good point. The Supreme Court kind of screwed this up because they know it's illegal, but instead of just simply jumping in and saying you cannot do this, they said, well, we're not going to issue a final ruling because it's supposed to expire on July 31st, and that's only like 30 days, so we want to give people more time to make alternate arrangements. Well, they should have anticipated that, you know, Biden was going to jump in and, and do this. Um, you know, a couple of our texters saying, Jeff, this is ridiculous. Jobs are available. Landlords are entitled to this, um, and they, they're entitled to get their rent. Yes, jobs are, in fact, available. This isn't like it was a year ago. You can make an argument that this was illegal a year ago, but at what point in time do we say to people, hey, you know, you're providing a, a service to folks? I mean, and, and where do we draw the line? Should we say to, I don't know, to barbers, to hairstylists, well, we're, we're going to require you to go to work and perform your services, but you're not going to get paid. You know, people don't have to pay you if they don't want to. Restaurants, do we say to restaurants, hey, you're going to have to continue to provide, or grocery stores, you have to give people as much food as you want, but we don't expect them to pay. At, at what point in time do we say, look, we, we have a country, this is not Cuba, for goodness sakes. This is not Russia. We have a country where, you know, people are entitled to offer their goods and services, and they are entitled to be paid 
paid for what they get back. At where where do we draw this line? We have gone so completely and totally through the looking glass on this that it is absolutely amazing to me. And I mean, part of the argument is, well, there's this rental assistance that's out there. Well. Okay, first of all, I don't think that's ever going to make these landlords whole. And if we're going to not allow landlords to collect their rent, then we should be saying that the landlords don't have to pay taxes. We should be saying that the landlords don't have to make utility bills, that the landlords are exempt from their property taxes. But, of course, we're not saying that. At what point does this stop? Now, that's a rhetorical question. I don't know the answer. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Well, Wisconsin's radio station is broadcasting live every day from the Wisconsin State Fair. When our WTMJ team isn't hard at work in our mobile studio, they're grabbing a bite to eat at Major Goolsby's Heartland, located right next to the Cream Puff Pavilion, or at Major Goolsby's downtown, dangerously close to the Deer District. WTMJ and Major Goolsby's come see us at the fair. Now, Melissa Barkley, you are out here with me at the fair. Yes. We have not had a chance to check out Major Goolsby's. Not yet, but there's plenty of time. There's plenty of time, (laughs) because we will both be together at the fair most of the days of the fair. Yes, I think every single day. All right, there yeah, you go. That's a good thing. That it is it is a I love it. It is a great thing. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. The biggest stick in the state is your home for all things deep fried and on a stick. Join us here on Wisconsin's radio station as we broadcast live every day from the Wisconsin State Fair. And when you're not listening, come by and see your favorite hosts. That might be me included in that list in our mobile studio across from the Expo Center on the south side of the grounds. Today's broadcast is sponsored by Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. It's the Wisconsin State Fair on News Radio 620 WTMJ. Okay, I was talking earlier about the, the, the traffic that we had to getting into the state fair and hopefully it was kind of a, a one-day thing brought on by the fact that everybody's trying to get in at 11 o'clock but i was as i was trying unsuccessfully to make this, this turn um onto like 84th street I, I was watching all these cars bunch up and you had people that were like crossing and I, i'm watching this thinking it's really a miracle that these people are crossing the street and people are trying to make the right turn and People are like kind of ducking in and out of cars. It's really, it's a miracle that, that somebody has not been hit. And that's just, in, it was a miracle, I think. Well, I was thinking about that in light of, of something that Walwatosa did. And we talked about this the other day. And I want to give credit where credit is due. Pedestrians mixing with vehicles is generally a bad thing. And for the life of me, I have not understood why in so many communities we have allowed beggars, panhandlers, whatever, to walk along the streets, to stand on on busy street corners or walk, for example, a lot of times on freeway exit ramps um, where people are going to be getting off the exit ramp and then coming up to a stop sign. I've never understood why we have allowed panhandlers to simply operate with impunity because, first of all, it's a danger to the panhandlers. And as a matter of fact, a couple months ago, right outside of Mayfair, that's exactly what happened. Some woman is begging for money and she's out in the street and and she gets hit by a a car. So it's dangerous to the panhandlers, but it's also dangerous to the people that are driving the cars. I mean, you're getting off 
the freeway going, I don't know, southbound on I-43, you get off at Capitol Drive. I use that as a reference because it's one of the places that I travel from time to time to go to work. You're getting off, and, you know, as you're getting off the freeway, you're coming up to Capitol Drive, and there's there's a stoplight that you're going to hit, and you'll have a, a panhandler that will be standing there. Sometimes if the light is red, he'll be walking, you know, between the two lanes of cars, hoping somebody's going to give him change. It's just, it makes absolutely no sense because it's dangerous to the beggar, but it's also dangerous to the drivers because if, if you're getting off the road, you're not anticipating, for example, that the car in front of you is suddenly going to stop or slow down because they want to give 50 cents in change to the guy that's begging on the side of the road. This has nothing to do with whether or not people should panhandle, although in the city of Milwaukee, they actively discourage people from giving money to beggars. They say, look, if and, and I've always believed this, if you it's not a question of charity. If you want to donate money, well, I mean, there, there's plenty of soup kitchens. There's plenty of homeless shelters. There's plenty of places, food pantries, that, that need your money desperately and would love to have it. And when you give that money to those places, you at least know that it's going to be spent as intended, as opposed to giving five bucks to some guy on the street, and you have no idea what his need really is, and you have no idea what he's going to do with that money. So, for example, in the city of Milwaukee, they actively discourage people from giving money to panhandlers because it, it breeds more panhandlers. If people wouldn't give money, well, then the folks would either have to go to work or they'd you know, have to move to different locations to beg money. So that's the idea. But yet we've allowed this to go on. So Wauwatosa was considering an ordinance, and we talked about this the other day, and this is the update on this. By a vote of 11 to 3, and don't ask me who the three older people were who voted against this. Wauwatosa passed an ordinance which would essentially prevent, make it unlawful, for people to approach vehicles when the vehicles were were in use. So like when the vehicles are moving or stopped at a stoplight, you cannot go up and beg change from the, the driver. In addition, it would make it unlawful for people to stay upon medians for purposes other than crossing the street. All right, so you, you can't just camp out on, on a median strip, and this is, at, I think, the 12 busiest intersections in the city, with that sign that says, you know, homeless, give me money, whatever that is, because it creates a safety risk for all involved. This isn't being heartless. This is just simply recognizing that there is a time and a place for everything, and standing on the median of a busy intersection is not the place to be there with your tin cup. There are other places that you can go and solicit money. Now, the reason the people do it is because they get more traffic that's there, but it creates a risk. So in any event, this was unanimously endorsed by the underlying committee, and overwhelmingly the Common Council, by a vote of 11 to 3, has passed this. So now the trick is... Will Wauwatosa enforce it? Because like I say, Milwaukee has an ordinance as well, and unfortunately, it's not aggressively enforced. I understand they've got all sorts of other things to do, but having an ordinance on the books that prevents panhandling is only as good as whether or not you're willing to actually do something about it. But but it is, in fact, a start. So panhandling in Wauwatosa, it's allowed, but it's not allowed to go approach moving cars or stand on median strips, and I say that's a good thing. All right, when we come back, voter suppression or common sense? I'll explain. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. We are broadcasting live from the Wisconsin State Fair. I'm out here at our broadcast facility with my friend and teammate, Melissa Barkley. Melissa, we were just talking. This is... Uh, 
This is the... This is only the second year you've been out here at the fair, right? This is. It was interesting. 2018, uh, working at the station. We didn't come out here to broadcast for some reason, the afternoon show. 2019, I was out here. 2020, obviously because of the pandemic. And then, well, here we are again. Well, It's nice, though. Okay, so here here is my experience. I started at WTMJ in the summer of 1998. And I I started a week before the Wisconsin State Fair. So I was in the oh. studio for for that first week, and then I was out here at the fair. So we have, I think in my case, with the exception of one year, a number of years ago, where then management, none of whom were still around, made the decision they think we didn't think we should be out at the fair, which mm. is when I didn't quite understand. But, yeah. you know. It, you just go with it. Well, well, right. It's it's That was a decision that was made, not necessarily at a higher pay grade, but at a different pay grade. So I was, it, it was fine. And then, of course, last year with the pandemic. But other than that, so I, I, I'm kind of bad with internal counting, but this is like 22, 23 wow. years at, at the fair. And there's just yeah. so many different memories as you sit here. Mm-hmm. We're we're right next to the Budweiser Pavilion, and I always remember several days of the fair. There used to be a guy named Tom Green, and he was um, – there, there was a Tom Green who was on MTV, but that's not that Tom Green. He was he was a he was actually a, a trained um, opera singer, but he did Elvis. He was an Elvis impersonator as well, and he would always he'd pack him over here. And every once in a while, he'd come over, you know, and we'd do an interview and stuff. And, sure. and the, everybody would be lining up to see who's, who's the Elvis guy that's in the booth with Wagner and stuff. It was, it was very it was very cool. There, <laughs> we'll have to so see if there's many, another Elvis guy there, out here. There's so many you know different memories that are out at the state fair. And the thing I love about the fair is. While there's always new stuff, there is a there is a consistency that you know you you have the, the same things that you like over and over again, and it's kind of a, I don't know, it, it's just it's reassuring in some ways to know that hey, the the guy that sells the mini donuts, he's he's going to be back here. There's this year a constant to it that is a little bit you know it makes you feel good. I was in the Wisconsin Products Pavilion this right. morning and I got to walk around, and that one's always a favorite of mine because they're all local Wisconsin products, and right. I got to sing with the Chicken Lady, so we'll be hearing that a little bit uh, later. On on the afternoon show, or probably tomorrow, you got to sing with the chicken. With the lady. chicken lady, okay, yep, she makes omelets and you know the poultry, the poultry lady. So, uh-huh. well, yeah. Well, the Wisconsin Product Pavilion place is one of my favorite because you can get really good deals on stuff. I mean, they, I, my typical breakfast when I'm here early enough for that is I'll go in and they have the, the kids that make the omelets yeah, and yeah, stuff, yeah. and mm-hmm. that's really good. And there's then you can get the potato. Oh, we, we could eat our way around the state fair. <laughs> Haven't had anything yet. My wife yeah. is out here with some friends of ours, so I think I'm gonna after their three o'clock rolls around. Maybe I she's uh, going going I, down the big slide. Uh, well, if, if she was here with the grandkids, she'd be she willing go to go there, down yeah. the big slide. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure, and I'm not sure that Jeff here is going to be going down the big slide. <laughs> but in any event, you know, stay tuned because we're going to be bringing you all the fun stuff that goes on at the fair. All right, I, I, I put this next story in the category of it's about time. I I understand that there's some people who think that there's no such thing as, as voter fraud and there's other people who just think well all, you know every election around is stolen and and the truth is that there there's not widespread voter fraud but that doesn't mean that our procedures cannot be improved i also understand that there's people who think that it should be easier and easier to to vote to the point that well you know we shouldn't be asking for people to prove who they are we should be making it you know easier to do these things and again the truth in many respects is in between but one of the things that I would think that we should all have been able to agree on 
Republican, Democrat, conservative, liberal, whatever, is the fact that for integrity in a system, what you have to do is you have to undergo constant reviews to make sure that the people who are listed as eligible to vote really are still eligible to vote. Now, why might you not be eligible to vote? Well, you might have died. You know, you, 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 you might have died, and yet your name still appears on, on voter rolls. Or alternatively, you, you might have moved. You, you know, you no longer live. Let's let's say you know you used to live in Fox Point. All right. Well, you, you moved from Fox Point, and now you you live in Middleton or, or something like that. There's no reason at all why your name should still appear as an eligible voter in, in Fox Point. You have to constantly be going through the the voter registration lists and, and the poll lists to make sure that they're that they're current and they're accurate. And that's why Wisconsin state law which has not been aggressively enforced, says that, look, here, here's the deal. If you haven't voted in four years, you haven't voted in any elections in four years, then what they want to do is they want to make sure that you are still an eligible voter, that you still live there. So what happened is election officials have finally in the last couple weeks, removed about 200,000 Wisconsinites from the voter rolls. rolls. Now, wait a second. What do you mean? There's 200,000 people that now can't vote? Well, well, no. These are all people who, in all likelihood, have, have moved. Um, state law requires the Wisconsin Elections Commission to remove voters from rolls if they haven't voted in four years and they haven't responded to a mailing asking them if they want to keep their registrations active. And that translates into about 175,000 people, plus then another 30,000 people who refuse to confirm their address. This is something, when you think about it, it it's long overdue and, and it makes sense. You know, it, nobody says that you have to vote. But if, if you don't vote, and you don't vote in election after an election, I think there's a presumption maybe that maybe something's going on here, and maybe that's something as you move. So that's why they send out a postcard asking you to send the postcard back to verify that you're, you're still there. And if you don't do it, ultimately you're going to get removed from the ballot. This isn't voter suppression. It's just not. It's just common sense. Plus, in Wisconsin, keep in mind, that we have same-day voter registration. So let's say you're a person who hasn't voted in eight years but hasn't moved. All right, so you, you show up at the polls, and all of a sudden you find, hey, this is the first time in eight years I'm going to run out to vote because I'm finally motivated. You show up, and you find that you know, you're know you no longer listed as active. Well, in Wisconsin, it's no problem anyways because we have same-day registration. You know, you'll, you'll ultimately be able to re-register and vote, so that's all taken care of. So you've got this whole situation that's out there where we have to continue to continue to Keep the voter rolls current. Finally, the Elections Commission has done what the state law requires them to do. They've removed 200,000 people's names from the list. But you know what? I don't think that's going to impact one single person. It's not going to stop one single person from voting. It just goes away towards cleaning up the voter rolls, which is something that we should all want if we're concerned about voter integrity. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner broadcasting live from the Wisconsin State Fair. Updates on your Wisconsin athletes, the latest medal count, check-ins from Tokyo, and so much more. We're your home for in-depth coverage of the summer games. News Radio 620 WTMJ. 
This is Jeff Wagner here to tell you about Built Right Furniture, Leather, and Mattresses. They're located at 5430 West Layton Avenue in Greenfield. If you're looking for furniture and mattresses, you have to do what a couple of my family members did recently. They went to Built Right. When you get to the store, you will find a 45,000 square foot showroom with hundreds of in-stock items. This includes a huge selection of USA and Amish-made furniture, plus better quality imported furniture for any size home. You absolutely have to check out their 44 models of in-stock lift recliners. They are ready for immediate pickup and delivery. In addition to the great service, the great selection and prices, the other thing you'll notice is the passion the owners bring to the businesses. Built Right is located, has been locally owned since 1928. There are five active hands-on third and fourth generation family members working in the store. Between my wife, Fran, who was just outside at our booth waving at me, uh, between Fran and I, we have known the family for years, and we could not be more impressed with the way they do business. Check out Built Right's factory-authorized sale. Shop Monday through Saturday, 10 until 6. Sunday, they're closed to be with family. When you get to Built Right, say hello and tell them WTMJ's Jeff Wagner sent you. And this is Jeff Wagner. So very glad to see you. You know, it, it is, it's, it always takes me a day or so to get into the flow of the State Fair because I, I'm used to being in this studio where it's me and the microphones and occasionally you know you'll have our, our news people come in and then this is always one of those scenarios where you kind of look up all of a sudden and you're in the faci- the broadcast facility and, and now, now during that commercial break as a matter of fact Melissa Barkley there was there's this kind of disturbance outside the, the the windows and there's a lot of people and again people come back and forth and sometimes there's a handful of people and sometimes there's 40 or 50 people and I'm looking up at the disturbance and and it's my wife it's your wife up and down yeah <laughs> and it's, you know, she like it, yeah, yeah she's like <laughs> Like look up, you yeah. know, and I think, okay, now my wife is, is watching me work. So we're, you know, because uh, we're out here with some friends and stuff, and taking in the fair. That was and all cute, sort of by the way. It, it it was, yeah, yeah it it was cute. It's kind of like this isn't really take your wife to work day, but it's kind of what it turned out to be. <laughs> that's so, okay, yeah. So that's it. So we we have fun at the state fair, and we encourage you all to come mm-hmm. out. We will be broadcasting live in one fashion or another. I think every day from the state fair, we got a lot coming up in the two o'clock hour, including. Gee, a $20 billion party, and what happens if nobody comes? And, all right, political correctness run amok or something long overdue. It's a great story. Stick around. That's all coming up right after the news. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Live from the WTMJ Annex Wealth Management Studios at State Fair Park, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. I One of the reasons I, I like getting out of the studio from time to time is that you get sort of a real-world perspective on things. And it, it's... It's really interesting to see how people react with different things. We are broadcasting live from the State Fair. Now, we all know what's going on with COVID. We know, for example, I'm looking at a story saying state employees in Wisconsin will be required to wear masks starting Thursday. So you're not going to have a choice. State employees are going to have to wear masks. Two of the largest University of Wisconsin schools, Madison and Milwaukee, they have their own mask mandates that are in effect. And, and you're starting to see these. And, and I've always wondered with how how is that playing with like average people, people in the real world? So we are here at State Fair. Now, State Fair does not have a mask mandate. 
indoors or outdoors. Now, they, they say CDC guidelines recommend masks in when you are indoors. Now, of course, out here at State Fair, a lot of the stuff is open air, but you've got the Expo Center, which is behind me. I, I call it the Stuff Barn. You've got the Cream Puff Pavilion, which is inside. And so I, I have been curious. Now, people aren't required to. It's people have have the option of doing that, choosing to or not. Now, I, I've i only been here for a couple hours. I've been back and forth, but I, I've been sort of monitoring this, and I've been asking a couple people because I've been curious. Giving people the choice, you know, of doing it or not, you know, are people choosing to wear masks in these interior areas? And my my estimate would be, in the Wisconsin Products Pavilion, in the Expo Center behind me, in the Cream Puff thing. And, and, and maybe, again, I, I can't say that I've been there for hours. It's just what I've experienced looking through that. I would say maybe 5% of people are choosing to wear masks. Maybe 5%. And my guess is, based on what I'm seeing, that that's high. As I sit in my you know, broadcast facility here and I watch people go by, and admittedly, you know, we're outside, so you're not supposed to, you don't have to wear masks outside. But, I mean, I, I would, I'd see... Maybe one percent, maybe one person out of every hundred that has walked by has, if not wearing a mask, has the mask like around their ears. Now that that doesn't mean that more people aren't aren't doing it, but at least my initial press, my initial impression from being out at this facility where you've got a lot a lot of people going around is that for all intents and purposes, when given the choice to wear masks or not, almost nobody is wearing masks. Now again, that, that might be unfair. Maybe you know if I if I walk through the expo center at, at four thirty, it'll be a different sort of number. Now, Melissa Barkley, before we open this up, I mean you you've been out and about. Would, yeah. Is, is that an unfair assessment? No, would you say? no. I was at the Wisconsin Products Pavilion this morning, and granted, it was early. Right. And there wasn't you know was it packed inside? I don't. Ooh, I don't think I saw one mask. Right. You know. I mean, granted. People were going in and out. There were doors open, stuff like that. But yeah. it was an enclosed area, right. and yeah, no, I didn't, I didn't see any. So yeah, I think your your assessment's probably pretty good. Okay, so I'm, I'm, my my number, I'm, I'm saying five percent. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm, I'm acknowledging that it might might that might be a little low, but if it's if it's low, it's 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 only a little low, and actually that might be high. But the point here is that that people, when given the choice. And, of course, everybody knows that you've got the new Delta variant that's going on and things like that. But when given the choice, people are simply saying, no, you know, we're, we're, we, we choose not to do it. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, I, I, I want to revisit the mask subject. I know we talk about it from a lot of different perspectives. But in a situation where people have the choice to wear masks or not, at least what I'm seeing at the State Fair is people are making that choice that they're they're not going to do it. Now, is this, I understand that you've got businesses and things that are going to require it, but it seems that as a general rule, people just aren't accepting that. Now, you know, if you require it, okay, you require it, people have to put it on. But if, if people aren't buying into this, and if people aren't willing to do it when given the choice, can you really force them to change their behavior? I think people are candidly are over the masks, and, and and you can argue they shouldn't be. But in the real world, the real world, when you give people a choice, they say they're not going to do it. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let me put it to you this way: All right, when you are out and about, will you voluntarily 
wear a mask. Now, it's one thing if the state says, well, you got to, if you got to, if it's a condition of your employment, you have to wear it when you're in the building. Well, that's a whole different story. That's that mandate. But as far as the voluntary decisions, CDC recommending, for example, that people voluntarily wear masks when they're indoors, I don't see it happening. I don't see it happening in real life. People, the vast majority of people, I think, just aren't going to do it. 855-616-1620, which tells me that, that maybe that this strategy is not the most effective way to go about things, and maybe we got to come up with different ways to encourage people to get vaccinated. 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in just a moment. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Okay, this is one of the great things about being on remote. So I, I was watching during the break and the ES test, the ES alert, as I was watching people walking by our, our facility. Um, I, I stopped counting at 100. I, I counted six masks, six people wearing masks out of 100, which was kind of what my, my estimate was, like 5%. Now, that's not to say that if somebody's going to go inside that they might not have a mask in their pocket, but I, I think it's it's pretty I think my numbers are, are pretty safe. At the State Fair, given the choice that people have, the overwhelming majority of people are choosing not to wear masks. Right? That tells me that these mask mandate really, there, there is no more public support for them. And if we're going to encourage people to get vaccinated, we, we need to move to kind of plan B, because I, I just... I just don't think people are accepting of this anymore. I think that, you know, rightly or wrongly, I think that ship has sailed. 855-616-1620. Let's start with Mike on the northwest side. Mike, good afternoon. Hi, good afternoon, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. What? Sure, hey, what uh, do you think? My thoughts, my thoughts are this. Uh, I've already had COVID and before the shot, and then I've had the COVID shot and the, and the second shot, and I don't see why I have to wear a mask anymore. It's just like uh, redundant. And I was in sales before. You can only put people through so many hoops before they say no deal for you anymore you know you got to jump from one to another and another and another and then they're just gonna say forget it you know we're just not going to deal with you yeah i think you know that whatever the merit of the mask mandates are i i think it's tough to ask people to take two steps back. And, and again, if, if it's required, you know, you have to wear a mask inside your workplace and you want to keep your job, well, that's fine. But, I, I mean, at least I am seeing in the real world that when you give people the choice to do it or not, I, I think the ship has sailed. And I, I think that's that means... I think what health authorities have to do is figure out, okay, what is our plan B to get more people vaccinated? Uh, plan B would be to say if you get vaccinated, you don't need a mask. Yeah, <laughs> thanks for the call, Mike. Well, there, there is kind of that circular stuff that's out there. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Jeff, I am here's a text. I'm a school principal, and I have to tell you, in my community, he doesn't identify which community he's writing from, he says there is simply no will to enforce a mask mandate, you know, period. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's talk to Charlie in West Dallas. Charlie, good afternoon. Why, good afternoon, Jeff. Thank you for taking my call. Yes, sir. What do you think? Uh, Well, I appreciate the subject matter only because, to me, it's being polite to wear the mask. I have a shot. I work in an environment in the school systems. My family has the shots. When we still go out, we wear the mask. We do that because I don't want to get you sick. I could catch COVID, the new variant, and I can share that with you unknowingly. 
so I'm going to wear a mask to help prevent you. And I think we forget that, that the idea of the mask is to help me prevent you from getting sick. Do you, how long do you intend to do that? If we accept the premise that COVID, that we're, that we're not going to get to herd immunity anytime soon, how long will you continue to do that? Two months, three months, six months, a year, two years? A year. What, what do you think? What, what a it, year. What, what it takes for me to feel, to feel I won't get my kids sick, my family sick, my mom sick, or my neighbor sick. Because I could get okay. and not know I had yeah. it. And that's, so I'm yeah. going to be polite about it. Okay, that, good enough. That, Thanks for call, Trey. And, and I, I get no, and I, I mean, I, I understand this. The purpose of this isn't. Uh, I mean, now statistically, the odds of that happening are are not great. I mean, this is and this is part of the problem that the CDC has with the mixed messages because they say, okay, if you if you get the vaccine. Well, there, there's, it's rare that you are going to be infected and then even rarer that you're going to reinfect somebody else. And, but, but it is clearly a, a possibility. There, there's no doubt about it. The problem I think the CDC has, it, it's kind of like the mixed message. You're saying, well, okay, get the vaccine and, and then you're going to be protected. But in the rare event that you're not, you should still wear the, the mask. And I, I think it's those mixed messages which are causing a lot of people. And again, this is my observation out here at the fair. No, I don't want to say nobody. That's not accurate. Very few people, when given the choice, are wearing it. And that tells me that if we're going to try to mandate masks again, it's going to be a tough go because I don't think people are accepting of that. David in Milwaukee. David, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. How are you? Real well, thank you. What do you think? Okay, so, yeah, I will I will continue to wear a mask. Um, I mean, I'm a teacher. The school system that I work in will require me to wear a mask, so I'm used to it. Um, I don't 100% want to, but I have to. Um, now, I do not want to have to lose two weeks at my job because I get sick. So if a mask is another, so I'm, I'm completely vaccinated, right? But if a mask is mm-hmm. that second-tier protection, so to speak, why not? And I feel like we are deciding not to wear them because it's this huge itch, this huge issue that we don't like and we're all upset about but it's so easy it's so easy to do and i don't understand why people are so upset about it and don't want to do it when you let me ask you let's say uh a couple months from now bucks season starts we're, we're in the same situation we're now which i think is probably pretty likely somebody offers you you know a couple tickets to the bucks game wearing a mask for the sake of argument is is not mandatory you know you don't have to do it but it's perhaps encouraged when you go to Pfizer forum are you going to wear a mask during the game yeah i'd probably do it just in case i mean you know i know that again like okay. you said it's you know the the chances that me being completely vaccinated the chances of me getting a breakthrough infection are rather rare, but it can happen. Right. And again, at the end of yeah. the day, I have two kids, and I don't want to lose two weeks of work because then I'm going to have to right. self, you know, uh, isolate. No, I, got it. I just I don't want to have to deal with that. Got it. Okay, thanks for calling. I appreciate it. And, and again, this isn't. I'm not beating up people one way or the other. I'm just. I'm kind of observing human nature as to how this goes. And and believe me, this is a guy. I, I got vaccinated as soon as I can. I am in favor of vaccinations. I encourage people to get vaccinations. I think vaccinations work. Um, I, I think 
My issue is, again, I think it's a mixed message to say, well, you've been vaccinated, you're fully protected, it's rare that you're going to have a breakthrough, but it could happen, so you know, continue wearing the, the masks. And all I know is that I, just human nature tells me that a lot of people aren't aren't doing that um jeff i am not a here's a text constant virtue signaler i have antibody immunity why would i um you know why would i you know go ahead and and wear a a mask against the microscopic chance that um you know i might you know infect somebody else and i think that's what a lot of people are are saying all i know is you know government's going to have to be wrestling with this and and of course you know we, we, there's pressure okay you have to have a mask mandate you have to have a mask mandate i think if you impose a mask mandate on businesses if you require it as opposed to simply saying it's up to you what you're going to have is you're going to kill a whole bunch of businesses because people rightly or wrongly Maybe they're selfish, maybe they're arrogant, but rightly or wrongly, I think the general public is over this particular issue, and there's only so much that you can do to force them to do it. And if you don't believe me, just kind of come out and you know, walk through some of these you know, large buildings where there's lots of people and you've given them the choice. All right, this is Jeff Wagner. We're broadcasting live from the Wisconsin State Fair.